and another piece would just be cut off. And you know you're not to the root of it yet. And I remember uh, it was about two months ago that I had that one weed that was in my garden. And I dug, and I dug. I said, no way, Jose, I'm getting this one. And I went down, and I yanked that thing out. Now, the weed itself was probably about this big, okay? I have a picture. I'll show you guys maybe another time. But the weed was about this big. But the root was like this big. And that is no joke. That is not exact. And I, when I pulled it out, I showed my wife. She's like, take a picture of that. The church needs to see this. This is a message right here. And she's 100% right. And I just forgot to give you the picture. So, and the, the root was that big. And I'm like, man, I didn't realize how big that root was from that weed that was there. And I believe a lot of times, you know, we have these little fits of rage and frustration and, you know, I'm not patient enough. And we see this thing, well, it's not that bad, but reality is down deep inside, way down deep inside. There's a root about this big. And God's saying, that's being a stubborn root right there that I want to take out. And I need to continue to cultivate and work the ground in your heart. But let me tell you something. When I ripped that baby out in my garden... I felt it. I was like, yeah, I just got it all out. It felt good just taking that thing out because I knew that thing's not in there no more. And I was able to work the ground from there. And then now we have a beautiful garden today. And it's because we worked that ground. And God wants to do the same thing. He wants that thing ripped right out so he can continue to cultivate it and continue to do work so a beautiful garden in your heart can bloom and flourish out of you. So people can see the beauty of God. People can see the beauty of Christ. People can sense and feel the love of Jesus out of you. And it's coming in you and flowing out of you. That's what cultivating does in your life if you allow him to do it. If you let him do it. We even looked at uh, Jesus' life for a while. uh, And we talked about how when Jesus, whether he was teaching, correcting, rebuking, or training, whatever he was doing, he was always after the believer's heart. He even told those that were against him, the religious leaders of the law, telling them that he's wrong. He even told them, hey, first clean the inside of the cup. Then the outside will take care of itself and be cleaned as well, too. And he was going directly in the heart. It's always been about the inward being. I mean, the Jesus did say, for God so loved the world. Not to, he didn't say, for God condemned the world. We, we, can, we can say that, too. Uh, the world can say that about itself already. But Jesus says, I came so I can set the captives free, so I can give new life. I can give eternal life. And then we looked at Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 17, where Paul simply prays for the church and for the believers, and he just prays that Christ dwells in our hearts. That's it. That Christ just simply dwells within the heart. And that's why we came down and we said the human heart needs the hand of God in it if we want to prosper in this earth. Not not just eternity, but here on earth as well too. And I'm going to just dive into the second part of this. And I quickly talked about it last week. But we're going to kind of go a little bit more deeper with this one. And I had told everyone that we are all, you are all responsible for the condition of your own heart. I'm not responsible for your heart. You're responsible for your heart. I'm responsible for my heart. And we were talking about how what the, the stuff that we put in our hearts matter. The stuff that we allow in here matter. And the things that we have to not allow in and take out or put in, whatever, that's on us. That's on us. I think about patience a lot for some reason. You know, I, even, even me, I would even ask God back years ago, and I said, God, give me patience. Give me patience. Give me patience. I want to be more like you. I want to look like you. I want to talk and act like you. I want to love like you. So, but I need your patience. And the opposite will happen. 
Anybody with me? The complete opposite would happen. Like, amen. And then someone's yelling at me. I'm like, what? And then you just go right into this scene. You know, or someone cuts off and you're like, what is this? And you just go into this impatient mode. And then you start repenting, God, give me your patience. And then you calm down and things are well. And God, thank you for your, you know, and you're feeling it. And then you open your eyes and there's another thing, another opportunity for you to be impatient. Anybody following that before? (laughs) I wish it was that easy. (laughs) But reality is growth takes time. And God won't give you patience. You have total access for it. Okay, hear me out. You have total access into patience. It's yours. But it's not a a, a, uh, wiring thing. It's a growing thing. Because it's got to be genuine, real, and pure before the Lord. And so what God's going to do is, hey, bro, I'm giving you exactly what you need. You just need to practice it. He won't call us bro. He'll call us son and daughter. Hey, son and daughter. What God... I'm trying not to laugh. I'm serious here. (laughs) What God is doing is that he is cultivating something in you, and he's planning something. And so these opportunities come for us to learn to be patient, but it's in those mistakes and those downfalls that we grow. We can get back up again. We can get back up again and have at it one more time. And let me tell you something. We will grow if you let God keep moving in your heart. We will grow. I have four little ones, and I'm growing. (laughs) I'm telling you right now, I am growing. I love my children, but they are being used by God right now (laughs) for me to continue to be training in patience, you know? (laughs) We are responsible for the condition of our hearts because, okay, because out of our heart comes words and actions. Out of our hearts comes words and actions. You know, I'm going to give you guys a little secret. And you guys don't feel weird after this, but this is just being Jesse, being transparent with you guys. But I love having conversations with people. My wife and I love having conversations with people. But if you would pay attention, when we have a conversation about a circumstance, we don't talk. We listen. We listen the whole time. And you know why? Because we know what's in the heart is going to come out of your mouth. And then we're going to pinpoint what the issue and the problem is. And then we're able to address it. So next time we talk, don't be silent with me. We keep talking. But what I'm saying is this. Exercise that. Exercise that. And have God use you through these conversations where maybe you can listen to your children to see what's in their heart so we can help them out. Or your spouse. Or your coworker, Or your boss. Or just a friend. Because let me tell you something, I will never have the answer to them, but I know if I can locate where they're at, and I can say, okay, there is something bitter in there. God, they just need to know what forgiveness is. Now I have a direction to talk to them about. And it requires for us to let God be God in their hearts, not us try to make it seem like we know everything. And let me tell you something, man, that lifts so much burden off of us because it's so important how we treat and talk to one another. We are accounted for that. And what we need to do is continue to grow uh, our hearts so our words and our actions uh, can be more useful rather than more damaging. Because if we're not careful, we can damage a person for life. For life. That's not a joke. I mean, I've had many, 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 many conversations with adults who can't get over something that happened to them at the age of eight. They said this to me. They did this to me. 
And not to justify of them being right or wrong in any way, but let me tell you something. God wants to heal that. And you can see those words really damaged them as a child, and it's affecting their marriage now. As an adult, it's affecting them as being a father or mother right now, as a coworker, and no one really wants to talk to them anymore because of that one thing. And so what I'm saying is this. Allow God's hand to still be in your heart so words and acts can be fruit of God. You yourself, me, myself, we're not perfect, but there is a perfect God within us. And that needs to manifest before the world. It's about the condition of the heart. You know, I've gotten uh, physicals over the year. I know a lot of us, we go to our doctors and we get physicals. But during physicals, we are given instructions and we're given recommendations for keeping a physical, our physical hearts healthy. You guys know what I'm talking about? They'll tell us you need, to, you need to eat right. They'll tell us you need to exercise. You, they tell you, watch your blood pressure. You know, keep the stress levels down. They'll tell you, get plenty of rest. You guys know what I'm talking about. They'll give us these uh, recommendations and these instructions that we need to follow through because they know physically your heart needs to stay healthy. And when there's a healthy heart, there's longevity behind it. There's a long life, a good life. You know, and, and I, I say all that because when I thought about this, that is no different spiritually speaking. There is no difference when it comes to our, our spiritual side of our life, our, our hearts for God and for this earth. I mean, you think about eating right. You think about the, the, the prophet Jeremiah. He talked about eating that word. And I love what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter, uh, the prophet Jeremiah says this in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verse 16. He tells God this. He says, when your words come, I ate them. Okay? He says, they were my joy and my heart's, uh, and my heart's delight. And I love how he used that word, I ate them. Because you have to understand that God's word brings health to our hearts when we eat his word. When we physically eat something, there's a digestive process, digesting process that happens within us. Now, we taste the flavor of it, and we can eat for 10, 15 minutes straight, but even after we're done, there's a digesting system that happens within us. The process is taking place. The nutrients are going where it needs to go. Uh, the, the protein's going where it needs to go. All the stuff is happening for your body, okay? And, and then what happens is the bad stuff just goes out of the way. You know, I don't want to get detailed, but the bad stuff gets out of your body because there is a digesting process that happens and when we eat when we choose to eat the word of God by getting in it daily what happens is there is a digesting process in your spirit that is happening that you don't even see and you don't even realize it's happening because you just ate the word and then you're going about what you need to do for the rest of the day but that process is still happening in your life and in your hearts and it's breaking things down in your life. It's giving you the nutrients you need for your spirit. It's giving you the stuff you need for your heart. It's giving you the attitude you should have for your heart and, and the words to speak. And then the things that don't belong there, it's going to just exit out of your spiritual body and say, you don't need to act that way no more. You don't need to be this way. Let's get this junk out of you. God's about the condition of your heart, and you're responsible for it. It's what he wants, Okay. Allow that digesting process to happen. Then, then you look at the exercise. The doctor tells you exercise on a daily uh, basis. And, and, and this is what we need to do. Exercise is very good for our bodies. And I love it because Paul tells Timothy and really relates exercising to what he's trying to teach 
Timothy. And he writes this letter to Timothy and he tells him all these things. And, and, and Paul tells Timothy in this letter, exercise, sorry, 1 Timothy 4, 7, exercise daily in God. Man, I could stop there and that alone marinates. And it's like an aha thing for us. Paul tells Timothy, okay, Paul's mentor, or Timothy's mentor, spiritual father, tells Timothy, exercise in God daily. Then he goes on, he says, no spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful. But, everyone say but. But, but a disciplined life in God is far more so. Making you fit both today and tomorrow. Is that what it, say? it says? No, 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 no. It says for today and forever. And the reason why I emphasize that is because it's talking about eternity. It's talking about it's going to impact you today and not just tomorrow. It's going, to, it's going to impact today and forever, for eternity. This is something that's happening beyond our life expand here on earth. And then he goes on and says, you can count on this. Take it to heart. Spiritual exercise means to discipline your life so you can strengthen your character and who you are in Christ. The identity of you is there already. The identity of Jesus is in you. But we need to discipline ourselves to let that thing manifest out of us so people can see Jesus within us. You know, when you look at Jesus walking this earth, he was, he was walking. And yeah, you know, some people didn't believe. But Jesus just allowed his actions and his hands and his feet that are extended to love the people. And when he spoke, he spoke teachings with authority and he loved. But a lot of the things he did... A lot of things he did is what spoke, and people wanted that. And when we discipline our, our, our lives, our, our, our hearts, to follow that routine by living and disciplining ourselves before God, guess what's going to happen? People are going to be attracted to that in a spiritual way, and they're going to like you and like the character about you. And every time I talk to you, you, just, you, you, you know exactly what I'm going through, and you're going to like, no, I really don't know what you're going through, but God knows what you're going through, and he's using me. Can I pray for you? I mean, it doesn't require a microphone or a platform for you to impact a heart if you simply discipline your life to do it God's way. That is it. If you simply discipline your life to do it God's way, it'll, it'll make an impact on earth and for eternity. Then you have the doctor that tells you, hey, your blood pressure's super high. Bring it down, bro. I don't know what the, what's the deal with the, the, the word bro, but... I'm really feeling like a brother today. <laughs> you know, and you look at, you watch your blood pressure. Usually when a doctor tells you that, it's because of stress, right? It's because of stress or you're overworking yourself or, or you got anger issues and you need to work some things out. Everything makes you mad and your blood pressure goes on. And I mean, it, people make fun of that, but reality is it's a real issue out there. And there's a cure that I'm about to share with you right now. And I believe this part really impacts not just the physical side, but the supernatural side as well, too. It's where, it's where the spiritual side of your heart and the natural side of your heart come together. And God just does this explosive force in your life. And you overcome these things because healing is yours. And we talk about, uh, you know, watch your blood pressure. I love it what James says in James 1, 19 through 21. He says, understand this. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to get angry. I'll say that again. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I remember one time in Bible school, 
I had an instructor who was just a phenomenal instructor, and he had said this. I believe God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason, because you need to listen twice as much than what you speak. And, it's, and, it, and as much as, like, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I think there's a principle behind that. And if he's telling me to be quick to listen, yeah, he's going to amplify it twice as much and slow to speak and then slow to get angry. I love the order of that, too, if you pay attention. I think if we apply the first two, the third one comes. It comes our way. And he says, you all must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness of God, that God desires. Because there's a desire that he has out of your heart that he wants. He says, so get rid of all filth and evil in your lives. And humbly, okay, humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your very souls. It has the power to save. Do you guys see what God's doing here? Do you not see how important it is for our hearts to be in a good, healthy condition? I love it. I did a wedding yesterday, and I love doing weddings, and it's actually one of the last ones I did this for the summer season. And, and uh, I had this one spot where I said, you are, you are husband and wife. You got to become a husband and wife. But you are first and foremost brother and sister in Christ. And because of that, you are accounted for on how you treat one another before God as a husband and wife. And I say that because a lot of times we can point the finger to one another and realize it's only hurting me. It's only hurting me. And our spiritual blood pressure goes up. And here comes the fit of rage. Here comes the anger, the frustration. Here comes the silent treatment. Here comes the dog pound, right? And then what happens is division, and the enemy does this. And then we go into different directions. And it's not only for a marriage. It can be for relationships as maybe mom, dad, and kids. It can be uh, a boss and coworker. It could be uh, whatever it is. Friendships. Because the enemy understands it's about your heart as well, too. And he says, if I can throw division in your heart, <laughs> you won't follow his heart. You'll follow your own stubborn, sinful nature. And so what he does is he plays the game and he separates and he walks away. And he laughs as he's going. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the greater is he in you than he that's in this world. And you have to remember that. The condition of your heart really matters. So he says, human anger does not produce any of the righteousness of God that he desires. So get rid of all that filth. Get rid of all that evil. Do it by humbling it. Do it by humbling yourself, your heart before God. Do it. That's the only way you're going to do it. It's by simply falling to your knees and saying, God, I come before you. You put your hand in my heart. You put your word in my heart. You cultivate everything. And yeah, for the moment, it might not feel good. But I know it's so healthy for my life. When a little child bangs their knee and they're scraping and they're holding and they're crying, a father or a mother will come and scoop them up, bring them to the kitchen sink or the bathroom sink, prop them up, wipe the tears, grab the solution. The kid's going to be stubborn and say, no, it's going to burn. But the mom or dad's going to say, it's okay, it's good for you. It's just for a little while, just for a little bit. No, no, I'll hold you. I'll hold you tight. Don't worry. You put the solution on. It burns. It stings. But it's cleaning. And you're even telling it's cleaning the germs out. It's eating all the 
dirt out. And then you bandage that thing and you kiss it. And guess what the child does? Smiles and runs away and plays again. All of that was good health. And there are times where God's saying, I want to cultivate the ground of your heart. I want to talk about your bitterness you have, that pride that you have, that anger issue that you have. I want to address it. And you're saying, no, God, it hurts. It hurts. I don't want to talk about it. You don't understand what I went through when I was a child. You don't get it. And God says, I know it hurts. But let me put my solution, the ointment of the Holy Spirit. Let me let the healing power come in your life. Let me do something. And what's going to happen? A process is going to happen. And a healing. And God's going to bandage that thing, heal that thing, and he's going to kiss it. And you say, thanks, God, I'm free. And you're going to go do what God wants you to do. Because it's a condition of your heart, I can't press it enough. He's not looking at your performance and how you do things on earth. He's looking at what's inside of you right now, what's inside right now. And if you don't get that, you will always be frustrated the rest of your life. God will always be faithful and he will always love you. But you will miss out on so much freedom that he has for you on earth. If you don't let God do it. Practice this. When you practice this, it diffuses so much, so many conflicts in your life. Have you ever been in an argument or a conflict and you realize a minute or two later, why are we even arguing about this? It's really pointless. But if we would have practiced that beforehand, it would have stopped us from maybe opening our mouths towards that. Because God wants health for you in your life. There is a difference between praying and complaining. Did you know that? You didn't know that. I just shattered the glass for you, okay? There is a difference between complaining and praying. And God says, pray. Bring your petitions with thanksgiving. He said, complain. And then give me your petition. And then you know all your thanksgiving. And a lot, a lot of times we, 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 we mistake as my complaining to God or my complaining to my brother and sister in Christ. And I guarantee you on the other side, they're smiling. but like, here's the garbage coming in again, you know, and... <laughs> I'm just going to tell them the same old, same old stuff. Have you talked to God about it? Have you prayed yet? No, but, but you don't understand. Like, it's just, it's, come on, you know? And then you walk away feeling justified and reality is no. You just unloaded for a new dump, dump truck to come and back up the truck and get it all back in your heart. We need to understand there's a difference between praying and complaining. And God says, don't complain. Release it to me. That's fine. You can talk to me about it. But don't, you need to pray what Paul says in all occasions. Pray in the spirit. Pray, pray, pray. That right there is the key that unlocks God and his glory for your life and freedom. If you pray, pray, pray. I remember when I was youth pastoring uh, for my first six years of my, um, of my ministry, uh, I, I had this series called Release the Clutch. You know, and I use video clips and, you know, just anything to kind of capture a teenager's eyes, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, fast and furious and that car is cool. And, and, and reality is I was explaining the difference between a clutch and an automatic. And it's funny because when I was like, yeah, I know what a clutch is. They're like, uh, uh. <laughs> but I'm confident you guys know what a clutch is, right? <laughs> so this is going to work better for you guys. <laughs> I had to go to the side and explain what a clutch was and then go right back to the teaching of it. But I was telling him, man, the rubber can't hit the road if you don't release that thing. And prayer is that. You don't release prayer in your life. You don't apply prayer in your life. You don't have a prayer closet. That clutch is just sitting down, and you can rev the engine all you want, and things can look so pretty, and you can show off the car, spiritually speaking, that you have, but you ain't go, you're going nowhere. 
And what we need to do is release that clutch so the, the rubber can hit the road, the power of God can come in your life, and things can start moving for you. There's a difference between praying and complaining. I'll say that one more time. <laughs> and then the last thing a doctor would tell us is, is get lots of rest. I, I remember, I think it was about four or five years ago, I was in my, my annual physical and um, just, you know, just exhausted and overwhelmed a lot. And uh, I was starting to have some uh, liver issues with uh, elevated liver and all this stuff. And they're telling me all these things. And it pretty much came down to, hey, you need to rest more. You know, yeah, and I'm following through with all the procedures they want me to do. And brother, bottom line, all this is effect, affecting right now is because you simply are overwhelmed and you're binging on some stuff you shouldn't be binging on, McDonald's, you know, and so you're binging on some stuff and so it's affecting your liver now. And they would say, you need to rest more. And in the beginning, I didn't quite understand, like, why? Like, I can't rest. I got no way to rest. But there are different ways. I was getting confused from resting and sleeping. You know? <laughs> that means I can sleep all day. Doctor's orders, baby, sleeping all day. No. Never did that, but there are times where I love hiking in the woods, and I am so rested. There are times where I look at Lake Michigan, and I am so relaxed and rest. There are many ways that God gave us to rest ourselves. Jesus even promoted that himself. He, he talked about in Mark chapter 2, verse 27, he actually he said this to his disciples and said this to the people that the Sabbath was made to meet the people's, the needs of the people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Why does he say it that way? Because I believe a lot of times religion gets in the way and we debate on the wrong things. Sabbath is Saturday from 6 to 6, all right, bro? And you're like, no, Saturday. I said bro again. I just realized that right now. Sabbath is from Sunday morning till Sunday night, and we're taking, wait, 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 football's on. Hold on, wait, let me double check that real quick. And we debate on when it is. And I get the heart behind that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to downplay any of that. But if that's what the focus is, you're missing the principle. And the principle is this, that you need to take a day off. Because if that's the case, my Sabbath is not a Sunday. I'm working right now. Let's be real for a second. But let me tell you something. My Fridays are protected because that's the day I'm with my family. That's the day I'm with my children. And that's the day I find rest in that. It's the principle behind it. And Jesus is saying, remember, when you're in those debates and those arguments, remember that the Sabbath wasn't, wasn't made to meet the need, or the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of the people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. You have to remember that. Let that echo. So when someone wants to argue and debate, you can simply just walk away from it and pray for them, not complain about it. You can pray for them. You know, there are times where I talk with a lot of people, and I was in this as, uh, myself. Well, we take pride when we don't take vacation from our job. I've racked up eight weeks. Yeah. I haven't had sleep for five years. Yeah. I work seven days a week. Yeah. I'm working up the chain. Bro. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm working up. <laughs> that was a bonus. <laughs> And we sort of take pride in this systematic earthly thing of not taking vacations, but we don't realize how bad it is for our health, spiritually speaking. It's bad for us. And I would say take advantage as much as you can. Yeah, I understand things, you know, and, and responsibilities, but at the moment you start leaning to taking pride and not resting, you're going the wrong way. 
and it's only going to hurt you later. Maybe, yeah, the account looks great. Yeah, maybe your, your reputation looks great. But how's your marriage doing? How are your children doing? How's your Bible reading going? How's your prayer closet going? How is all of that going? Because that's what God's going to say. He's not going to applaud you and say, well done for, uh, you know, seven days a week. That's all. He's not focused on that. You want a well done, good, faithful servant. Not, well, you're done. You want a God. You want to look at the throne of God. You want, to, you want to face your heavenly father and said, I did everything I could for the kingdom of God. I rested. And while I was resting, I was worshiping. You know, I, I treated my wife this way, and it was hard. I treated my husband. It was hard. But, Father, I hid your word in my heart. You were cultivating at that season when we almost left each other. You were cultivating, and I was worshiping you, and I, I was asking for your guidance, and I was putting my pride away. I was putting the eagle away, and I fell to my knees, God. And I want to thank you for restoring what you, what you did in my life. There is hope for your life when you follow his way. There is hope for your life when you surrender it to Jesus. Amen. If we know the answer, why aren't we doing it? There's a difference from knowing and doing. God says, be a doer of my word, not just a hearer only. You hear my word, let it come in, but then the digestive process happens, and then you become a doer of the word. Exercise. Watch your blood pressure. Get lots of rest. Because I'm telling you, God is doing something in your life. He's actually positioning you. These four habits that you follow, that I just labeled, and I'll, I don't know if I actually give them the notes. I'll, I'll say it one more time. Eat right, exercise, watch your blood pressure, and rest. These four habits that we apply in our life is only going to position you to receive everything God has for you. It'll position you to be receptive towards God if you allow it. But not only that, you're not only just positioned to receive God, you're also in a position to be aware and alert of the things that are in your heart that don't need to be there. You're going to see it. Oh, man, I didn't realize that was there. And I believe David is the perfect example in the scripture. When you study the life of David, I did a study one time, and I was seeing things left and right. I was seeing the imperfection of David, but the perfect God in him. Study it from a boy to a king. Study his life. Read his life. And see what it's all about. And you'll see David loved God. This same David that, that, that tended the sheep in the garden and they didn't let royalty to tempt him to put on a mask, but he was being faithful to the calling of tending sheep. This same David who, who went to the giant and slaughtered him in the name of the Lord. This same David who was chosen by God and anointed to become king 30 years before he became king. This same David who applied these four habits in his life, eight, exercise, blood pressure, rest, spiritually speaking, is the same David when he was a king to allow junk go in his heart. Allowed the junk in his heart what he was doing was he committed murder, he committed adultery, and for a brief moment, he wasn't applying what God wasn't doing stuff in his life because of how he was behaving and acting. But I love it because he kept the habits going in an imperfect moment. I love it. It turned him around to look to God, and he realized, I'm not pleasing God for his glory. All of this that's happened in my life is because of God. 
And he had to turn around. And God, what David does is he pleads to God, please forgive me. And I love what he wrote in Psalms 51, 10 and 11. He says, God, create in me a clean heart. Because he's going through some garbage right now. Create in me a clean heart. Because he realizes there's junk inside. Create in me a clean heart, oh God. I need you now. And I love it because David didn't go back to his track record. I slaughtered giants. I did this. I'm anointed king. I'm leading people. He didn't, none of that. He says, my heart is impure right now. And he fell to his knees. And he says, create in me, God, a new heart. Oh, God. Create in me a new heart. Renew, he says, a loyal spirit within me. Obviously, he wasn't being loyal to God if he's asking for a loyal spirit. So you can see how far he was. And how he caught it, it was, a, it was an, aware, uh, an alert to him. He could see it, and he didn't know what to do but to go to God. And he tells God, oh, God, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence, and don't take the, your spirit, your Holy Spirit, from me. Because of these four habits, he continued to apply in his life, even when he was in the wrong position at the wrong time. These habits led him to repentance. And David, because of that, because God is faithful, David, even though he went through some of those garbage, David, by God, was labeled a man after God's own heart. Why do I say all that? Because I know you have garbage in your heart, like I do. I know it. We bring nothing good to this table when we see God and we present before God. But the scripture reminds me time and time again, it is not your obedience, Jesse, that made you right. It is Christ's obedience that made you right. And when you can just simply believe that, I'm imperfect, but God in me is perfect, you realize what you were made for and who you were made for. And you start seeing purpose in your life, and you start hearing God saying, you are my daughter, you are my son who is after my own heart. The world might label you one thing, but God gives you a new name and a new title. He says you were a new creation in him. But it all starts with going back and allowing God to continue to cultivate your heart. Cultivate your heart. Your heart is all God wants. That's it. When we give, your heart's in that. When you serve, your heart's in that. <laughs> when you speak, your heart is in that. And so don't think that giving my heart means, okay, I repent, I'm done. No, when you do, your heart needs to be in there, and that's God taking your heart. But the moment we don't have that heart of gold in Christ, and we just do things, it's kind of doing it in vain in a sense. God's saying, I want your heart in the midst of all of this. So serve like Jesus, live like Jesus, give like Jesus, pray like Jesus. Be like Jesus. You know, one of the things that my wife and I love doing, we talk about this every once in a while, is we, uh, we apply vision in our heart. You know, just the other day we were talking about what does it look like 10 years from now in our hearts? What does it look like five years? What does it look like in a year from now? We've even talked about our grandchildren, and we're a long way from that. And we started praying some things out. My wife would pray about my children's spouses because she puts vision in her own heart, and she wants that vision of our kids to be in their hearts. Put vision in your heart, in your life, and you'll find purpose. You'll find a direction. 
Even if it means you're doing the same thing over and over, over and over, and it feels repetitive, repetitive, repetitive. You need to get to the heart where you're saying, I'm going to do this so faithfully, and I'm only doing it because the Lord's in me. And doors will be activated in your life. Put vision in your heart. Let God keep cultivating. Humble your heart before the Lord and let the seed come in the soft soil. It will take root and he will make you grow. That is his promise. Let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our head. If you're watching online, this invitation is for you as well too. And let me tell you something. I'm believing that this word will resonate through that camera into your heart. Because there is no distance and there is no boundary between God and your heart. If you guys want to allow God to cultivate your heart, it starts with the name of Jesus. I believe it's in the book of Acts chapter 4, I want to say verse 12, where it says, there is no other name except Jesus. And that name Jesus has went to a cross and died for your sins. So you could be restored. See, if I could, if I could illustrate or, or explain a little bit more, there was one point you had no hope in your life. The cultivating stuff that I was talking about was no hope there for you because of what sin did in our life. But Jesus paid that sin to grant you an access to before God so he can do something in you. But you just have to receive that. And so if this has penetrated your heart genuinely and you want to come to repentance. In other words, saying, God, I'm sorry, and I'm choosing to turn away from that sin. That's what repentance is, turning away from it, not just I'm sorry. If you're choosing that for God, I want to lead you in a prayer. Just lift your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Lift your hand up. Yes, God bless all you guys. I see you. Keep your hand up. Don't be ashamed. Put your hand up. I want to see you. Thank you, Jesus hands everywhere. If that's you online and you're watching, just follow my instructions and I'll lead you in this prayer as well too. You guys can put your hands down now. I saw you just so I can eye contact you, but God sees your heart. This is your time. I believe after I pray and we say amen, you're going to physically feel something in your heart because God's hands in there. We're going to confess to God that we are sinners we're going to ask for his forgiveness. But not only that, we're going to ask him for his new spirit in us, his Holy Spirit, so we can become a brand new creation. And what's going to happen is God's going to do that. You're going to become a child of God, and that spirit is going to guarantee you that you're a citizen of heaven. And what's going to happen is you're going to have an access now to God for the rest of your life, forevermore. So let's put one hand over our heart. And church, we're going to do this together. And if you're watching online, please repeat after me as well. Everyone say, God, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for you sending Jesus to the cross. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I repent and I'm sorry for all the sins that I've committed. Even the ones I didn't even know about. Lord, with your help and my commitment to you, I turn away from these sins, and I want to live for you now. So I ask to put your Holy Spirit in me, renew me, and thank you for a new identity in Christ Jesus. 
And we all celebrate by saying amen, amen and amen. Go ahead and give a clap offering to those that... We hope you were blessed by the message today and that uh, you were truly encouraged no matter where you are in your walk with God. Um, if you would like to give today and support us and continue to further this message around the world, um, you can go to www.rlcholland.com give and there will be an easy way to give right there. You can either do it on a one-time basis or reoccurring automatic basis. But we so appreciate you tuning in today and watching. If you have any comments or questions, be, please comment below and we will be happy to talk with you and interact with you. Have a great day. God bless.